listening to Adoption, Fostering and Tea from the UK's LGBTQ plus adoption and fostering charity, New Family Social. Find us at newfamilysocial.org.uk. I'm Tor, and this week I'm going to be having a cup of tea with Lee, Charlie and Chris, and we're going to talk about surviving Christmas. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hiya. So... So here we are, we're just days to go until Christmas. And if you're anything like me, you've not finished anything, literally anything at all in preparation. Uh, but before we start, I'm going to come to each of you. You can introduce yourself and um, I'll ask you just a little bit about, you know, how's prep going so far? So uh, let me come to you first, Chris. Hi, um, I'm Chris. I'm gay and my pronouns are he and him. So, as always, I start off with great intentions with the kids in November. They always guilt me by saying, we didn't have any Christmases when we were very little, so we have to start Christmas in November, which means all the trees go up in November, however much I fight it. <laughs> so they went up, and then I get complaints by postman and everybody else who comes to the house and delivery drivers. Why have you got that up so early? So that's very good. They go up really early. But then the problem is... There's this period of time where school is finishing and I have no time to do anything. And then I suddenly realise I need to buy presents for 37 people and wrap them up and do the cards. And every year I prep the cards and they're prepped in the other room now, waiting for me to wipe them. I promise myself I'll do it by the end of November. Guess what? They're still waiting to be done. <laughs> I'm so impressed that you bother even attempting to do cards. I gave that one up years ago and I just now I'll get one from like the local takeaway or something. It's like, here's my Christmas card. Yay. Um, okay. And what about you, Charlie? How, how prepped are you? If you could introduce yourself as well and tell me how prepped you are. I'm Charlie. I'm bi and trans. Um, and my pronouns are they, them. Normally, by this point in the year, I'm quite prepped because I'm quite a Christmassy person. But this year, we've literally just moved house in the last few weeks. So my focus has been like, you know, putting the shelves up and getting the beds constructed rather than, you know, decorations and Christmas cards and all that. So I'm feeling a bit nervous because, yeah, normally I'd be a lot more prepared than I am. I mean, I'm sorry that you're not prepared, but honestly, I'm feeling quite a lot better about it because that's two out of three of you that are not prepared. So I'm hoping for the hat trick and then I'll feel very comforted about the whole thing. So um, over to you, Lee. Could you introduce yourself and tell me, please tell me you're not prepped either. <laughs> um, hi, uh, I'm Lee. I am a gay man and my pronouns are he and him. And I have got three young boys who are super, super excited for Christmas. I mean, the magic is definitely alive in this house. They keep asking when the elves are coming, when you know, when their presents are coming, what can they do to, to help the reindeers and all. So we're kind of, we're in that real thick magic stage where Christmas is like everything to them. And I'm really sorry to say, but we are prepped and ready for Christmas. Oh. Everything, everything is sort of bought for, I sort of, try and think um in advance really of what they would all like so we give them all a magazine from the local sort of toy shop and they can circle what they want and then they can write their letter and their wish list and then we sort of flick it between family members of what who can get what so uh the boys aren't really sort of inundated with loads and loads of uh, presents um so we keep it to, to family only so friends and so on I always ask them to concentrate on birthdays only, um, that the boys aren't having so much to open on Christmas because it can just be, yeah, too much for everybody. But yeah, we're, we're, we're so excited for it this year. We really, really are. 
So, yeah. Wow. I can't believe you're ready. I'm gutted. It would be a terrible shame if you got disconnected from this podcast. <laughs> so, um, obviously, when we all apply to adopt or foster children, we're told that sometimes various celebrations and events can be quite overwhelming for kids. And perhaps the connotations that we had as a child of those things might not be the same if we weren't ourselves adopted or fostered. I just wonder if any of you have thoughts on that specifically. I know, um, Charlie, that you were saying that you'd got some experience of this. Yes. Uh, so I love Christmas. I absolutely <laughs> love it. I'm in choirs. We sing the Christmas carols. I like Christmas baking. I like traditions. And I, yeah, I really love Christmas. And I've had to temper my enthusiasm quite a lot to meet my son's needs he finds Christmas quite challenging for a combination of sort of like early life trauma reasons but also because he's autistic and Christmas is just wildly out of the normal routine so yeah I've had to dial things down quite a lot to make it more manageable for him so yeah he had some difficult experiences sort of around Christmas time when he was younger and uh, this time of year brings those back for him and also yeah, just everything being louder than normal and everything being busier than normal and um, everything, different foods, different routines at school, different uh, routines at home, having lots of visitors to the house, it can get all a bit overwhelming for him. So we've had to really, yeah, try and find a balance. So we're still getting those opportunities for like joy and celebration and family togetherness time, um, but also in a way that's not going to overwhelm him or, yeah, make everyone miserable. And did you find that people sort of bought into that around you, like extended family and friends, or are you having to really do a lot of work to help them understand why you have to go that road? We definitely got better at it as the years have gone by. So this is going to be our sixth Christmas together this year. Yeah, we've worked out. Um, for example, um, if we're having sort of Christmas with family, um, we need to make sure that we're, we don't have lots of visitors in the house. Um, they stay somewhere else. They're, they're all getting going to be staying in an Airbnb and just come into the house for, you know, to open Christmas presents on the morning and to have Christmas dinner together rather than having the house be full of people for days and days and days because that's just going to be uh, unachievable um, for my son. Um, and it took a while to sort of like help some of my family members understand that, yeah, we need to do, do, do things differently than our sort of like long-standing family traditions. Um, but... Um, I think as we've put things into practice and they can see how much happier he is, people are yeah really willing to change things up so that he can feel included in part of the day and part of the family. And then, um, Chris, you were saying that, you know, your kids put significant pressure on to start Christmas really early and so on. Is that how it manifests in your household then, that you have to do Christmas big, that, that the kids feel that they're making up for lost time? There's definitely a pressure for that. But they really, I mean, we love Christmas as well. So before we had kids, Christmas was one of our real big events. And as Charlie was saying, we've had to kind of change our perception of Christmas a little bit. But we've also brought in some of the family traditions that both my husband and I you know, have had previously. But we are very measured. So we do have very fixed things. So we, we uh, always read the night before Christmas. And we always say in November, who's going to be reading the parts of the story, the story to kind of get that out of the way. Somebody has to make notes about who uh, sent which present so they can do thank you cards. And there's always a competition about who's going to do the list. 
So I assigned that to my eldest daughter about three weeks ago. She actually emailed me and said, this is the reason I want to do it this year, Daddy. Okay, that's fine. I then have to go and negotiate with the other three to say, okay, your sister is doing the list this year, but don't worry, you can peel the sprouts or whatever it might be. So I just have to be very, I have to signpost everything, um, but that I, I hope the kids don't know that. So, you know, that we do have a, a much reduced family Christmas. So we maybe have three people staying over Christmas, whereas before it would be crazy, but people do come over the three days and we split them over which day they can come. So lots of families do that at Christmas anyway. So we kind of kind of fit in with that. Really. And what about you, Lee? What do you do perhaps differently in your household or what allowances do you make? Yeah, I think like when sort of growing up and so on, I think the one thing I remember about Christmas as a, a child is um, when my parents used to decorate the house, it always used to be things that we had made either at school and so like ha always handmade stuff. It was always sort of sticking up. The, I remember this one thing that my sister made. It was like a snowman. And I, I always remember it being up on the ceiling, being pinned in. So it's one thing that I've always sort of took on, you know, as you know having children myself is that anything they create I will stick up as as sort of a Christmas decoration we didn't really have much sort of growing up I always remember having us a, a sort of sock filled with you know fruit and nuts and so on and we had a few gifts but it was more about sort of being together um, when I met my husband he had loads of um, things that they did every single year as but we never, I never did. So every year he would go to the zoo on Christmas Eve and they would have uh, a picnic and hot chocolate and all the family would get together. So ever since I met my husband and had children, every Christmas Eve we do that now. It's our thing. We go to the zoo, we have this, this, this little uh, picnic and the boys really, like they help with the sandwiches and it's all sort of part, you know, taking part in, in creating that sort of magic. And I think the one thing I've always wanted to do, I think once I owned a house and got into my own house and had a family of my own, I always wanted an open door policy. I wanted people to come in. So we on Christmas Eve or a few days before Christmas, we, the door is open. So we have, you know, coffee on or mulled wine on and the neighbours will come in. And I, I think I want my boys to have that as they grow up, is that, you know, they can invite anyone in and it to be sort of open and loving. And um, yeah, so we're sort of creating all of those lovely things for them now. Um, hopefully that they'll take on when they're, uh, you know, grown men one day. That sounds really lovely. It sounds really sort of thought through and nice. Uh, Charlie, you were going to say something, I think. Yeah, I thought it was it was really lovely hearing sort of like the pride in your voice when you were remembering sort of like your parents putting your homemade Christmas decorations up around the home. Yeah. And that's something that I've really tried to do with my son as well he was seven when he came to me and we don't have any of those of like you know little handprint ornaments or something that some families have but what we do have is um the like salt dough ornaments that we made for our first Christmas together and Christmas can be a really special opportunity to sort of reiterate to the children that this is their forever this is their growing up home that there's they've stayed here they've been here they've grown and they've developed so you can look back at memories of different types of Christmases and sort of the th different things that we've made each year and you can see sort of like how they've grown and developed as their skill increases and has their sort of like artistic flair increases and that's been really yeah really wonderful to sort of see um have those little like reminiscence moments when we're putting up the decorations together 
Yeah, I can I can sort of understand that. I think it's probably worth mentioning that there can be a huge pressure, can't there, to do big and really special Christmas and really overblown stuff. And I just sort of wanted to um, chat a little bit about Jackie and I were moving at one point and we ended up for a while living in this, I want to say flat, that's a bit glorified. At one bit, I stood on one place in the kitchen and fell through the floor. That's how how luxurious this place was that we were staying in. And it was cold. I mean, it was freezing cold and there was huge snow on the ground. And, oh, God, at one bit we were defrosting the car and we put my son in it in a car seat, shut the door, and it locked itself with him in it and the keys in it. That was fun. So we had to figure out how to break into our own car in the snow. You know, it was just, anyway, it was kind of a tricky place to stay. And we also realised that in putting everything in storage, we'd also put all Christmas stuff in storage, so Christmas tree decorations, all of that. And we were on some ridiculously tiny budgets and we're like, we cannot buy this stuff. We just can't. And um, so we got a load of newspaper. We made tons of paper chains with the kids. So we'd got um, one age four and one age one at the time. We made endless paper chains and we just hung them up from the ceiling. And, you know, we drew some pictures and we couldn't because it was such a such a really basic place that we were in. We couldn't do Christmas dinner at all. We couldn't do anything approaching Christmas dinner. So we did chili. So we now call it the chili Christmas because it was the chili Christmas where we ate chili off our knees surrounded by paper chains. But you know what? It was dead nice. And it was it was still kind of special and I think sometimes like this huge pressure of you know it it has to be this and it has to be that and I think we all feel that and what you see on telly is is that version but I guess it feels kind of important to normalize that you know I've done the paper chain Christmas the paper chain and chili Christmas and I can certainly advocate for it it was it was its own kind of nice and it was us in this absolutely crappy freezing house oh they painted all the ceilings burgundy as well that helped to add to the sense of depression <laughs> but yeah we survived chili and paper chain christmas and it, it was kind of a lot of fun in its own right so um, yeah. charlie those, those sorts of christmases can be like more memorable and like the things where at the time it might have been like it felt like the end of the world but actually afterwards like that's a really bonding thing for you as a family having your chili christmas i know in our family we always talk about the Christmas where my son blew out the Christmas pudding. <laughs> it was our first Christmas together. Um, and, uh, um, you know, we'd had the Christmas dinner. It was going quite well. My dad went into the kitchen and got the Christmas pudding ready. Sort of, you know, he set the brandy and set the pudding on fire and came through as this big celebratory moment. And my son absolutely panicked, freaked out and tried to put the fire out because he had <laughs> never, ever heard of setting the pudding on fire. He thought something had gone disastrously long. Um, and yeah, he ended up blowing the Christmas pudding out. <laughs> yeah, it's it's nice. The, the stuff that goes wrong is nice, I think. And I guess particularly, you know, where people are financially this year. And, you know, we were chatting about it before we all came online going, oh, my God, it's a bit terrifying out there. And I, I think that um, I was reading something by Martin Lewis, you know, from MoneySavingExpert.com talking about, you know, if you really can't afford to do it, buy a packet of balloons and put them in a giant box, get the biggest box you can find and fill it with balloons and the kids open it and they'll they'll play with that. And it's different. And I know it's not necessarily what the kids are imagining. And it, you sometimes feel as a parent that you've really, really failed if you're making decisions like that. But actually, loads of people have been there and loads of the people who are listening to this will be there this year. And I guess there's kind of camaraderie in that, I hope, and stuff. So, um, yeah, I can I can advocate that. So blowing out the Christmas pudding, paper chain Christmas. This is the way forward, I reckon. Um, Lee, were you about to say something? Yeah, like, I mean, like like you were saying about the expense of Christmas. I mean, like, 
what what what, I, what we've done this year is actually I've reverted back to when I was a kid. You know, my parents couldn't afford all that much for us, and it's the same for us this year. It's actually it's actually feels a little bit tighter this year than any other year, uh, due to the increase of you know household bills and and shopping so we've gone back to those you know stocks being filled up with fruit and all the things that they like the most so you know every time we go shopping we'll pick up a small bit and bob that will go into this you know little sock that they'll have and um, you know and i think they'll love it regardless of what it is it's because you're giving it to them you know they love you and you sort of you know you'll make it special uh, for them regardless. It doesn't need to be a humongous big plastic thing that you think, oh, they'll pick up twice and put down again. You know, they'll really think, oh, I look, you know, I love this, you know, I've, I've, I've always wanted this or whatever. And it could be a, a chocolate bar with a character on, you know, that sort of stuff will really make it for them. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree with you completely. Um, Chris, what were you about to say? I was just going to tell Lee that if he's going back to traditional Christmases, please don't put a lump of coal in there. I know the government have made a decision about open coal mines, but environmentally it's really uh, bad and all that. So <laughs> save the planet and give them some coal. It's that same as fine, honestly. <laughs> so um, I wonder, you know, we're all talking about kind of what we're, we're planning on doing and things like that. Um, I wonder if it's worth us talking a little bit not necessarily with our own children in mind, but just why some adopted and fostered children do find Christmas difficult. And, you know, I know that, Charlie, you were touching on that. But, Crystal Lee, do you have thoughts on that, whether about your own children or just more generally in terms of adopted and fostered children and why it can be difficult? I think for my own children, because they they range from 15 down to 9, and we've had them for about 10 years, certainly my older one, really feels like he missed out on quite a number of Christmases. So for him, you know, it's really important, you know, all the traditions that we've built in uh, for him around Christmas, they're really key to him. So we're very conscious about making any changes to that, you know, and he will do his list and his grandparents, you know, are now texting him saying, what do you want for Christmas? So I know we talked earlier about expectations of family and can they help manage the situation? Well, I've got to the point now where grandma will always text him and say, what do you want for Christmas? He has no concept of money. So he will say, I will have this aftershave, which is £95 for the smallest bottle, or this Nike bag, which is very expensive. Or the thing he texted was a Canada goose jacket, which are £1,200. And I've just thought, well, if grandma gets him that, that's grandma's fault, (laughs) because I've said no um, very clearly. I think she'll say no to the jacket i certainly hope so because it'll only last about two and a half days but but, but yeah so we're very we're very conscious about uh, he's growing up so he needs to manage himself a little bit more um but then also family members also need to you know i have to let him interact with people how they're going to interact with him going forward so i could manage things much easier when they were all very little and we can kind of put a wall up around the house and say this is what how it's going to be but now they've got phones and they're texting relatives and they're going back, then we have to kind of give a bit more freedom. And there are some consequences to that. There are some disappointments in that or some excitements are built in, you know, people coming to visit or saying they're going to visit and then don't turn up. But I have to let them manage that as well. That's part of growing up, right? So, but that's that's something they're aware of more this year, I think, than previously. 
Yeah, I can I can understand that. And you're right that as they get older, there is that real change in in how they approach it and and so on. Um, I think that for some adopted and foster children, it can be the expectation of we perform happiness on this day as well. And I think that can be quite a pressure. I think other people can feel that as well. If you've had something difficult in the year, like a bereavement, or if you are now shut in with family where there's tensions and complexities and things like that, this kind of, here's a complex feeling, now perform happiness while feeling something very complicated. It can be a really difficult thing to do. And so um, I think as well, this, because I love Christmas too, and it's my birthday on Christmas Day, so double excitement on Christmas Day from my point of view. Um, but but I do understand this kind of perform happiness, even if something's going on, even if something's difficult, even if there's some tension, even if your child's struggling. And for a child who perhaps processes emotions without so much of a filter, that thing of, you know, be happy, be grateful. Now your grandma's here. Now your auntie's here. Now this person's here. Now that person's here. Now stay up late. Now behave. It can be quite a lot for them. And so, you know, I love the fact that we were talking about sort of building in breaks and things like that. Um, for kids for my own for example I'll let them disappear upstairs into their bedrooms for as long as they need to on Christmas day it's not this thing of you must stay downstairs because the family's here if they want to disappear for a bit sort of treat that as decompression and it's sort of fine um Charlie what were you going to say yeah and I think as well as that sort of pressure to be happy and uh sort of yeah have a lovely time and behave nicely and sort of sit up with the grown-ups and be good I think it's important to remember that for many of us our memories of Christmas are, broadly speaking, happy memories. We remember having, like, delicious meals, we remember getting exciting presents, sort of fun time with family members. Whereas for it's not uncommon for adopted and foster children to have experienced Christmases where they didn't get any presents or definitely were not appropriate presents or maybe they, they weren't fed, they didn't get the sort of delicious meal that um, sort of they're ex- hoping for. Um, and for many children whose um, sort of parents use drugs or alcohol, Christmas can be quite a scary time um, because it's a time of year when lots of adults will take more drink and drugs than usual and be sort of, yeah, even more unpredictable um, for those children who have yeah, reason to be fearful of drunken adults around them. Yeah, absolutely. So all of those things, I guess, can mean that having in mind one model of Christmas, you know, the, the TV advert model of Christmas, it's not the experience necessarily of our kids. And I think it's nice to try and build that for them. But again, you know, it can be built maybe in smaller stages and in smaller ways if that's what's needed. Also, I guess for kids who are newly placed around Christmas, you know, we hear from people lots of times who've had a child placed in December. And one of the first things that child is kind of required to do is to participate in Christmas. And again, that could be really hard. So I know people are often really sensitive to what they are asking that child to do and so on so what about kind of top tips for surviving the christmas period and um you know how how are you going to get yourself through it how are you going to be okay on the other side how are you going to manage all those complexities and not go christmas crazy um chris you've come to me first and i haven't got an answer for that yet um (laughs) (laughs) come on think faster it's christmas it's christmas we, we do get through it so we have family coming down to give three days, four days, five days, however, however long it lasts. So, and I think the point you made about giving them permission to not be sitting with us watching The Great Escape for the 19th time or me forcing them to watch The Sound of Music 
not that that's stereotypically gay, of course. Um, <laughs> you know, giving them permission to do that. And I do like, I'm stumbling now because I can't think of anything. Um, I do like preparing the fixed meal. The meals are always at a very fixed time. So, so they know when to come down for and they blood sugar is sorted out and that. So for me, it's making sure the routine is quite changed, but the meals are anchor points and they might change times, but they know when the meal is and they have to come and they have to be jolly and they have to wear their hat. And even if it's just for one photo, then I'm fine. I've banked it from the year. And when they're 30 and they say, we hate to Christmas, I'll say, but look at all these photos. You were happy at the table year after year after year. I love it. <laughs> I think it's called propaganda, but that's fine. I'm sure that's fine in parenting, I'm oh, yeah. sure. Yeah. One, of the things that, one of the things that really brought it home uh, for me, how different it was, because my older two children are birth children and my youngest is adopted. And... Um, do you all track Santa on you on Christmas Eve? You can like track it online and stuff. So, yes. so if you do Santa, you can track it online. But also the same company that does that, you can have a video sent. And it's ever so clever. They're beautifully filmed. And there's this jolly Father Christmas on it who will, you know, run this little scene with elves and stuff and they're making presents. But you, um, you can talk to Santa in advance and give a little bit of information. So you can email in some information and it will be in this video. So it might say what the child's hoping for as a toy and stuff like that. And there are different versions of uh, this video that Santa can send. And one of them is, have you been naughty or nice? And so in selecting that for my older kids that had always just been funny because you you know they would always end up on the nice list and that was kind of funny and it became apparent that for my youngest that wasn't funny at all there was genuine terror that actually the disapproval would come from something so important as santa and luckily we realized that without ever choosing that version of this video where there is a moment of what will the result be but for him, that that wasn't funny. It wasn't a foregone conclusion that he would be on the nice list that he would be approved of. And it was just chilling, really, to see the difference in for very securely attached children, that's that's funny and that's fun. And for an insecurely attached child, that isn't funny and it isn't fun. And so it just really brought home to me how his thinking works, how it's different, how his thinking works, how people's approval is not a given for him and that you could be disapproved of really suddenly. And so uh, for us, you know, we did do those videos because the kids loved them, but we selected extremely carefully um, once we'd realised that. And we realised that even giving that sense of peril for the older kids was distressing to the younger ones. So um, we made sure that, you know, we picked the making of the toys video or whatever it was and not the which list sort of video. But yeah, it was just it was just interesting exercise in how different things are, I guess. I've wandered slightly off the point of survival. I'll talk about that in a sec. Um, so Lee, how are you going to survive? Um, so for us this year, we are actually going to Ireland to see uh, uh, my in-laws, uh, my husband's parents. So already it is going to be intense because um, of course, my uh, husband's family haven't seen the boys since July. So it will already be intense. There'll be a lot of family members. Um, my husband's family is huge. So they're all, of course, want to see them and so on. So also with Christmas, also with a, a humongous amount of family and so on. So we, we've we already had a pre-chat already about how their behaviour might be and their expectation of 
family members coming through going, oh, where's my gift? You know, I thought that was because it's Christmas. It's expectation. So we've all we've got sort, sort of a group chat on with family members. We've always sort of gave, you know, what our expectations are of our boys and so on to sort of just slow it down, you know, gradually, not just to overload them completely because it's just, it becomes really tough because our expectation then is that, Every time a new family member comes through the doors, they're expecting something from them. Um, so we've all already had that sort of pre-chat. But we just know it's going to be overwhelming with all the gifts they're getting, all the nice food, the chocolates and all the cakes and everything else and all these people coming in. So we have spoken, I've spoken to my mother-in-law and we've sort of worked out, a bit like what you said, go upstairs and have some time out from the hustle and bustle of downstairs and myself and my husband will take it in turn to sort of sit with them and we can either read a book or watch a bit of a movie and just take that time out to just sort of help them cope with it because it can it can be it can be crazy at times um with with the three and they are they are excited they're super excited about going on the big plane and going over and seeing everybody so yeah we just got sort of got to rein them in a little bit um by do by taking them out of that situation yeah, I think that's a really good method is taking them upstairs and just calming down or another room or a movie and stuff for you as well, you know, just to be able to just be for a little while. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Charlie, what about you? I think for me, it's very much about having a plan, um, but not being too rigid with the plan. So what I always do is um, I get I do it for the whole of the Christmas holidays. So I think it's really important to plan for after Christmas as well. So it's not just building up to this massive excitement and then everything falls flat and is boring and miserable afterwards. We sort of like, yeah, plan fun things in for after Christmas as well. So what I do is I have like a rough idea of what we're going to do every day. When he, when my son was younger, I had a plan for like literally every morning, every afternoon, and every evening um, because he needed that time to be really very, very structured. As he's got a bit older, I can be a bit more flexible. So it might be, you know, at least one thing or one or two things every single day that are planned. But they can be quite low key. It might be that we're going to, you know, do some baking at home or we'll go for a walk with our neighbor's dog. Or it might be that we'll have a family film night. Or it might be that we're going to go to the Christmas panto. But, you know, we have an idea of what's going to happen every day. And I sort of I write that down for him. So I make a calendar with pictures so he knows what to expect. So whilst we are out of our normal routine, there's still some predictability for him. And that definitely helps a lot. And also, sort of building on what you said about sort of your your, your youngest um, being really worried about that naughty or nice thing, I've told my kid that Santa comes no matter what in this house. Um, you get presents because you're loved and you're part of the family and everyone gets presents. It's not about whether or not you've been bad or good. Yeah, taking the sort of the fear and the worry out of it has really helped in this house. Yeah, I get that completely. My survival tip is, as it always is, which is lower your standards substantially. So that's how I survive Christmas is if I'm having to cook, if, I'm, if we're doing Christmas dinner here, <laughs> if it comes out of a packet, you are getting it out of a packet. I am not I am not making it from ingredients, partly because I'm rubbish at that, but also just because it's easier. But actually this year we're going to go out for lunch because that's even easier, it turns out. And so... Um, We'll go out to a pub for lunch and then we'll do Christmas like games and stuff when we get back. So that should be good. We always play play your cards right. And my cousin takes on the persona of Bruce Forsyth in a way that I can only describe as menacing. And um, initially bought a cardboard mask, which was bad enough. 
but last year invested in a full rubber Bruce Forsyth head. I mean, I didn't <laughs> even know it existed as an item that you could buy. And yet in the afternoon on Christmas Day, I'll be tortured by rubber Bruce Forsyth. So that's a sentence I never thought I'd say. That is terrific. <laughs> yeah, There's not enough therapy in the world, is there? But anyway. Um, well listen everyone thank you so much for sort of taking part and uh, you know chatting and what you'll be doing and how you'll be coping um, I hope that for everyone listening Christmas is peaceful and as smooth as it can be and honestly lower your standards you won't suffer for it I'd like to thank my guests today Lee, Charlie and Chris if you enjoyed this podcast please leave us a five star review and share it with your friends follow us on Twitter at LGBT Adopt Foster and on Facebook, search New Family Social, all one word. Visit our website at newfamilysocial.org.uk. Adoption, Fostering and Tea is produced by New Family Social. The presenter was me, Tor Doherty, with music from Matt Doherty. The producer was John Jenkins. We'll be back next week with more guests and more tea.